0: What does the freedom of christ look like that word freedom a word that we hear all the time but do we really understand what it means do we really understand what it means to live into the freedom of christ instead of just listening to the messages that we hear from our screens as followers of christ it's easy to hide behind this social media image of faith what people see on the outside is gorgeous and put together but on the flip side Each part of our life consumes us and makes that ease too much to attain. This perfection in our lives controls us and keeps us bound in chains, while the monotonous routine of this world pins us down and makes it too hard to break away. Our brains are muddled with these worldly solutions, but we need to remember that the only solution that can bring real restoration is when we begin to understand our emancipation. When we realize that this freedom comes from Christ alone, our chains will begin to fall. As we dive into the meaning of this idea of freedom, make sure to remember that it's okay to leave these shackles behind and dance in the overwhelming freedom of Christ.
1: Good morning, good morning, church. It's so great to be together today. Great morning of worship already, being in God's presence. And I'm so thankful for what God's doing in His church and in all of our lives together. Uh, Welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Set Free to Live Free. And we've been studying the New Testament book of Galatians. And Galatians was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, up to these churches there in Galatia that He had gone he helped start those on his first or second missionary journey and and they started off so well i mean they were just like so excited about the lord and the church was growing and they're reaching out to their community and and then after a little while they started to turn in on themselves and they kind of became legalistic and they they took their eyes off of christ and so paul's writing them to say hey guys come on come back to the lord you know and don't go to the law don't go back to trying to earn it go back to the old testament Last week we saw, as we talked about being set free, we saw how God calls us to live free. Not just being set free, the grace that we receive, but now living in that grace and living that out. And Jesus takes the 613 laws in the Old Testament and He boils it down to two. Love God, love others, right? You go live that way. You go live a life of love because you are set free to live free. So today we're coming to Galatians chapter 5, and I'm excited about today. So if you have a Bible, let's get to work and see what God's Word has to say to us. Galatians chapter 5, New Testament, kind of about halfway through the New Testament there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. We'd love for you to grab one and uh, just make it yours. Put your name in it and just keep it. It's our gift to you. Also, if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures at U Version, uh, or we'll put the scripture on the screen. But Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. We left off last week with this verse, verse one, where it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. So Paul's writing this church, he's going, guys, you're, you're kind of going backwards instead of going forward in the Lord. You're going back to the law. You're going back to the Old Testament. There was these people called Judaizers. Okay, these were Jewish people who gave their lives to Christ and started following Jesus. And they are talking to these churches up here who are Gentiles and they're going, hey, we are so glad that you have given your lives to Christ. That's fantastic but now you need to go back to the Old Testament and keep the 613 laws. Now you need to go to the festivals, right? Now you need to have circumcision. Now you need to, and so they're just pouring all this onto them and, and, and the church is going, wow, we gotta keep this checklist, right? We gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. And they just turn in on themselves and Paul's going, no, 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 no. Stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in the grace that you've received from God. So he says in verse 2, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you, that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And So from verse 2 to verse 12, Paul just kind of lays out this whole argument right here. He just goes, guys, think about it. If you start obeying one part of the law, then that means you got to obey all of it. And Paul's going, I was a Pharisee, and I couldn't keep up with all 613, right? You know, so, so don't try to do it. In fact, if you're trying to keep the law, you're nullifying what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus paid the price for you. It's by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, it's a gift of God, not by works. Don't boast about that. Don't go back to that works kind of thought. And he keeps talking about this. He goes, the only way you're going to grow spiritually and mature is it's in grace and it's in love. So don't go back to the law. And then he comes to verse 12, and I'll let you read it yourself. But he gets kind of hardcore. He's like, yeah, now all those people who are saying this, they can just, you know, keep going doing their own thing. Uh, But he says in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. He goes, now that you're free, don't just use it to build up your own agenda. Don't just use it like, hey, okay, everybody kind of serve me. He goes, no, 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 no. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. He goes, let me just solve the whole law for you, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love Exactly what Jesus said, love God, love others. As I was thinking this week, though, as about that whole love your neighbors, yourself, I think a lot of times we struggle with it. You know why? Because we don't love ourselves. <laughs> right? It says love your neighbors, you love yourself. And we're like, uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. And, and, and I don't think I'm really that lovable. I, I kind of see all the warts in my life and all the mistakes in my life. And, and guys, none of us are perfect. None of us are but think about this. God loves you. The sovereign God of all creation sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you. You are lovable. You are amazing. You are a gift from God. And so we ought to love ourselves. Not in a conceited way, like, hey, I love me. You know? No, 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 no. In a healthy way. In a healthy way. And when we love ourselves, then we can love others. But a lot of times it's our fault, it's our problem, and we take it out on others, right? So we don't feel good about ourselves, so we come home and we walk in the door and and we just take it out on our our roommates and our family and our friends. And it really is not their fault, it's really us. We're not at peace with us. And so we just take it out, or we take it out on people at work because of something going on in here. And Paul's going, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at what God's done for you, look at who you are in Christ. Hey, be healthy and then love out of an overflow of what God's doing in you. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you no longer do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? Don't go back to the flesh. Don't go back to making life all about you. Don't go back to saying, hey, everybody's here and you're just here to serve me. No, 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 no. Now you have the freedom to go serve others. Now you have the freedom to go love others. Now you're confident enough in your own self-worth and your own value that you can build others up instead of tearing people down. He goes, listen, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So if you want to look at the flesh, These things are obvious. This is obvious what's going to come out of your life if you're living for yourself. It's going to be sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I want you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's like, I just want to warn you about these things, right? If that's coming out in your life, then, man, you got to check your heart and your spirit. And if you notice these things, right, sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, those really stem about the things that we think about or the things we put in our heart. Idolatry and witchcraft, that really impacts our relationship there with God. We're putting something else in God's place. These others impact our relationship with other people. Jealousy, envy, fits of rage, all of this. And he goes... Guys, that's not who you were created to be. You are not set free to go back and live for the sinful nature. <laughs> you are set free to live free. You are set free to be different. So here's how you're called to live. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You are called to love. To love God, to love others, to love yourself. You're, you're called. So are you growing in your love? I mean, are you more loving? As you mature with the Lord, as you grow in your faith, are you growing more in your love? Joy. Is there joy in your life? You see, happiness is based on our circumstances, right? And when our circumstances are good, we're happy. Woohoo! this is great. My football team won. Or, you know, I'm happy. You know, yay. You know, or I got that raise at work or whatever it is. But joy is based on Christ. Because our circumstances change. I mean, sometimes our team wins and sometimes they don't, right? And sometimes things are great and sometimes they're not. Joy is based on Christ. That we can have this deep abiding joy, love, joy, peace. Wow, that we can have peace in our lives. You have peace? Man, that we can have peace. Forbearance. That's just a different word for patience. That we can have patience. Are you maturing in your patience? The longer you walk with the Lord... And some of you may have been a Christ follower for a year or two years or five years or 10 or 20 or 30 or maybe some people in here 50 years. <laughs> but are you more patient today than you were a year ago, or five years ago or 10 years ago? Not that we're perfect, but are we growing in this area? Are we becoming more like Christ? Hey, what about kindness? What about goodness? Faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. I love that. Paul goes, hey guys, the whole Old Testament (laughs) is not ever going to make you more loving or more joyful or more patient or more kind. It just shows you where you're broken. It just shows you your need for a savior. It shows you your need for Jesus. But it's Jesus who's the one who's going to transform you and bring this in your life. Against such things there is no law, right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right? Listen to what God says. Listen to how God calls you to live. Stay in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not start thinking I'm better than somebody else. You know, we become conceited, and, and I've keep more of the laws than they do, and I'm a better Christian. No, 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 no. Let us be more humble. Let us be more gracious. Let us be more loving. Let us be more kind. Let's live like Jesus. All right, if you're taking some notes today, here's some things I'd love, I'd love for you to write down. It's such a powerful, powerful chapter. First of all is this. God invites you into a covenant relationship. Guys, don't miss this. This is the story of this book. Sovereign God inviting you into a relationship with Him. That's the whole Bible. Don't miss that, right? Right? God longs to have a relationship with you. The word testament literally means covenant. Okay, so you got the Old Testament and the New Testament. We all kind of throw that around, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. Do you realize it means covenant? Old covenant, new covenant, right? The Old Covenant and now the New Covenant. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant is about the law. All right, man, sinned. They broke that relationship with God. God called the people for Himself. He gave them the law, said this is how you're called to live. But the law was pointing us to Jesus. The law, the whole Old Testament, is pointing us to the Messiah that is to come. Now the Old Testament, the evidence of that first covenant was circumcision. And that's why Paul makes a big deal about this, right? He's like, you're going back, you're going back just to do that, to keep the law. But that's the Old Testament, and the evidence was circumcision. The New Testament, the New Covenant, is all about Jesus. Okay, don't miss that today, right? People will say, oh, the Bible is it, so great. It's so wise and it's practical and it makes such a difference in my life and in my marriage. It's, it's God's, you know, book for me. Right, but it's all about Jesus. <laughs> it, it's all leading us to Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. The evidence of the New Covenant is Baptism. <laughs> now, I love this, you guys, because this is so powerful. Go back to Galatians chapter 3. Just go back like two chapters right there. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. Okay, Galatians 3. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Amazing. All of you were baptized into Into Christ, and you have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, think about this circumcision in the Old Testament, men only, okay? Right? I mean, that that makes sense. Okay, so it's all men, they're also Jews. Right? I mean, pretty limited there. But now, by God's grace, Jesus comes. Jesus is for everybody. I mean, Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male and female. We all identify with God through Christ in baptism. Isn't that beautiful? You know, you're dying your old way of life. You're being raised to a new life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's the grace of God that redeems you and saves you. And baptism is that outward expression. You know, baptism is like this wedding ring, right? Uh, if I take my wedding ring off, uh, Lisa will get mad at me, right? But, but I'm still married. I'm still married. It's not the ring that makes me married. It's the ring that's this outward symbol of me being married. And that's important, and I wear it, and I'm proud to be married. I'm, I love my wife. She is awesome. She is amazing. It's like baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. It's not the water that saves you, but you're dying your old way of life. You're being raised to new life. You're walking with Him. It's that evidence of that covenant relationship that you made with God. You know, Galatians has been called Luther's book, right? And so kind of if you think back in church history, Martin Luther, Martin Luther was this monk and he, he tried to keep the law, man. He was like so religious, he was into everything. Like, and he was by the book, but he always felt guilty. He always felt guilty, like I can't be good enough. And then he went to Rome. And in Rome in 1510, he goes there and he starts to crawl up the sacred steps. Now, if you know a little bit of church history, right? Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. Constantine's mom, Queen Helena, Queen Helena goes to Jerusalem and starts marking all these places where Jesus would have walked. They start building churches all throughout Jerusalem. She goes and she takes the steps where Jesus, we don't know for sure, but where Jesus supposedly walked up to go to Pontius Pilate. She gets the steps in Jerusalem, this is like 300 AD, and takes them all the way to Rome. And so people are coming for hundreds of years and crawling up these marble staircases in order to feel the pain and the hurt, to pay penance for their sins, right? And they're thinking, I'm going to atone for my own sins. I've messed up. So Martin Luther goes to Rome. He's crawling up these steps, right, to get to the top. And somehow if I'm good enough, then maybe God will remove somebody from purgatory or, or whatever the thinking was right then. And he gets about halfway up. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice. And God's going, you are justified by faith, you're justified by faith. And right then, man, he had been in Galatians. He had been reading. He had been studying. And he gets up. He stands up in the middle of the steps. Other people are crawling up the steps. And he stands up. and goes, I'm justified by faith. That's it. And he walks down the steps. He nails the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door and launches the Protestant Reformation in 1500s. I mean, it's just amazing. But it comes back to this. And I think in a lot of times in our lives, we go back to trying to earn it. God, if I could just be good enough. And God, I'm going to measure my worth and my value by if I'm good or this. No, no, no. We're justified by faith. God called us into a covenant relationship with him. And man, the joy that comes when I know that God is with me and God is for me. And I don't have to earn it. He paid the price for me. Praise God. Okay, number two. Are you living for Jesus or for the world? Are you living for Jesus or for the world, right? He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use the freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't go living just like the world. Jesus came to set us free from sin, from death, from the law, and the world. (laughs) We don't have to live like everybody else. We don't have to pursue the things that everybody else does. We don't have to find those things like, hey, I'm, I'm really cool based on you know, what I buy or spend or where my job is or what I have in my 401k. Or eat. No, no, he set us free from all of that. Don't indulge the sinful nature. Do not use your freedom through Jesus to rationalize sin. How many times, how many times have you ever done this? Well, I know I shouldn't do this or say this, It's probably wrong, but God will forgive me. God will forgive me, so I'll go ahead because I know that God's going to forgive me, and so I'll go ahead and do this. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not right. That's not what we should do, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it a cheap grace. I mean, our sin took Jesus to the cross. Don't try to rationalize it. You are a new creation in Christ live for the things of God. So is my life looking more like the world or more like Jesus? Is my life looking more like the world or more like Jesus? And if we were to look at our lives, we go, wow, I don't know. I mean, I can get caught up in the things of this world and I can start to identify with the things of this world. I can run after the things of this world. They become my passion, but it's my passion, Jesus. If you're a parent here or a grandparent, isn't it awesome when you hear your kids pray? I'm telling you, I I just about cry every time I hear my kids pray. I just love listening to them pray because there's such a, a, a genuineness. There's this innocence. There's this, you know, it's just like they're pouring their heart out to God. And you just go, I want you to hold on to that. (laughs) I don't don't want that to leave. And I think that's what Paul's writing to this young church up there in Galatia. Like, hey, you remember your faith when you first started praying and you were so excited about the Lord. And you were inviting people to church and you were serving the poor. He goes, don't lose that. Don't become legalistic and turn in on yourself. And I want for my kids, I'm like, keep that joy. Keep that passion. Don't grow up and be too cool. Don't grow up and be like, yeah, you, know, uh, you know, I don't need to pray. You know, I I'm not going to do that, you know. I'll go to a football game and go crazy, but I'm not going to like, you know, pray loud or I'm not going to talk about my faith or, you know, I'll tell everybody about a Hallmark movie, but I'm not going to talk about, yeah. You know? No, 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 no. Like keep the faith, keep growing, be passionate in the Lord. Is your life looking more like the world or more like Jesus? What is the fruit of your life? Really, what is the fruit of your life. Look at the evidence of your life. I brought some um, fruit with me today. So we've got a pineapple, we've got an apple, we've got a banana, a pear, an orange. We got all kinds of, of fruit here, right? And here's the thing, when you walk by a tree, how do you know what kind of tree it is? You look at the fruit, right? You see it, you go, that's an apple tree. There's apples, that's an apple tree, right? There's an orange tree, right? I I can see that. This is a banana tree. I know that because I can see the fruit. Hey, just like you could tell a tree by its fruit, so you could tell a person by their fruit. It's not the fruit that saves us, right? But when we are saved, when we are redeemed, there ought to be fruit in our lives. Fruit is a major external evidence that reveals the spiritual maturity of a Christ follower. So as you look at this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that what's coming out of my life? Is that what's coming out of my heart? And do people see fruit in my life, the fruit of Christ, not the fruit of the world, but the fruit of Christ. As Christians, our call is to grow deeper in Jesus. Our call is to grow deeper in Jesus. You, you know, for this apple, right? For it to multiply, it doesn't just sit there and go, okay, I'm gonna have more apple trees. I'm gonna have more apple trees, go. You know, it just it doesn't do that. It's not getting anywhere. And the same thing for us, right? I'm just not gonna produce fruit, produce fruit. I can't do it. It's, It's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of self-effort. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's when we're in Christ. Concentrate on the soil and the right environment in order to produce good fruit. You know what you do? You take the seeds in this apple and you put it in good soil, you water it, you get sunlight, and what's gonna happen? It's gonna grow. The tree's going to grow. There's going to be all kinds of fruit. There's not just going to be one apple. There's going to be lots of apples. It's going to feed a lot of people. But you're not concentrating just on this. You're concentrating on getting in the right soil. You're Getting in the right place. Same thing for us. Guys, you and I, we camp out in Jesus. And fruit will come from our lives. Jesus said it. Right? He said it. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. (laughs) I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're not gonna grow spiritually apart from Jesus. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that there's a lot of fruit, that there's love, there's joy, there's peace. There's all these things that are happening in your life. This is for my Father's glory, showing you to be my disciples. Now, how many times did Jesus say, remain? Remain, 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 right? Remain in me. Get in the right soil. Spend time, pray. Spend time in the Word. Surround yourself with godly people. And what's going to happen in your life is the right fruit. What's going to happen in your life is the love. It's the grace. See, Lisa doesn't need to be married to me. (laughs) Lisa needs to be married to Jesus, right? Because me, in in my own selfishness, I'm not going to treat her the way she needs to be treated. She needs to be treated like Jesus would treat her. My my kids don't need me as their dad. They need Jesus. They They need Jesus to love them. They need Jesus to pour over them. I'm just a conduit of God's grace. But when I'm growing deeper in the faith, then I'm able to give that love and that joy and that peace away. And it's our call Getting in the right environment. Hey, our job is to grow deeper in Christ and fruit will happen in our lives. A lot of times we can concentrate, I'm going to be more gentle, I'm going to be more gentle. i got to be more gentle. I'm kind of rough. I need to be more gentle. No, no, I'm going to need more Jesus. If I get more Jesus, I'll be more gentle. Right? If I get more in the Word and in the faith, you are set free to live free. Don't miss that. God's redeemed you. God has saved you. It wasn't what you did, it wasn't what I did, it's what he's done. But he saved us, not just for heaven. He doesn't just go, okay, wow, now you're a Christ follower, come on to heaven. He says, you're gonna live on this earth, so I want you to live differently. I want you to be free. I want you to follow me, live in the spirit. Live in the spirit. That's what Paul's talking about here. The fruit of the spirit, live in the spirit. The Bible says, pray without ceasing that we start developing this relationship with God. God, I'm coming into this meeting. Father, give me wisdom. God, guard my tongue. God, I'm pulling into the driveway right now. And Father, I've had a tough day. It's been rough. It's been crazy. But God, before I walk in that door, God, I pray that you would just guard my heart and my attitude. God, don't let me say anything that would be wrong. God, let me love. Let me just pull into, let me love. You know, every time, it's just this prayer. It's this walking in the spirit. It's listening and it's speaking the word of God over Hey, are you becoming more legalistic or more loving? You see, if you're in the law, then what happens is we become legalistic. We start comparing ourselves to others. Well, I'm a better Christian because I do this. I'm a better Christian because, no, 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 no. Am I more loving? Do I see people around me and say, how can I help them? How can I serve them? God loves them just as much as he loves me. God loves the person on the street just as much as he loves me. God, let me be more loving. Are you becoming more conceited or more compassionate? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I want to not just be conceited. I don't want to be conceited at all. I want to be compassionate. I don't want to just be, hey, out there trying to make my own name. I want to make the glory of God. Let me be compassionate. Remain in Jesus Remain, remain, remain in Jesus. When we were in Israel a couple weeks ago, we went up to the Temple Mount, and up on the Temple Mount today stands the Dome of the Rock. And and the Dome of the Rock is is a place that was built uh, by Islam 600 years after Jesus, you know. So, you go up there though today, and I mean, it's like the morality police, right? You're not supposed to hold hands with your spouse, you're not supposed to laugh. There's nothing really that you could do up there on that Temple Mount. I mean, it is just like, it just kind of squelches everything. But below the Temple Mount is the Western Wall. And the Western Wall is a place where people come from all over the world. Uh, The stones that are there are enormous, and they go back to First Temple, even Second Temple period, Uh, the time Jesus would have been there at the Temple before it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And so people come from all over the world to come and to pray at the Western Wall. Uh, Since Israel became a state in 1948, there's never ceased to be a person there praying. And when you get up to the wall and you start to stare and you look, you can see these are prayers. All of those are prayers that were written by people who they stick them into the wall. And I started to think about like, wow. I mean, people all over the world, God is drawing them to himself just like he has... With me and you. And we come with this heart, God, hear my prayer. God, here's my need. God, speak. I want to hear from you. And God draws us there. And and I think in those moments, we're all like, man, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your goodness. And God speaks and God moves and God changes lives and hearts. And then God says, I want you to live that out. Even when you're not standing here at this wall, I want you to live that out. I want you to follow me and I want you to trust me because sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life gets difficult. But listen, I'm working in your life and I care about you and I'm molding you and I'm shaping you. So you hold on to me and let Christ be alive in you. Not just in this holy moment right here, but all the day and all the time. You you know, if I were to take this banana and squeeze it, what's gonna come out? Banana, right? Yeah, you squeeze this orange, what's going to come out? Orange, right? Every one of these, what's going to come out is the fruit. Let me ask you this. If you squeeze a Christian, what should come out? Christ, right? Not that any of us are perfect, but it ought to be Jesus that comes out in the good times and the tough times. God, you're at work in my life. God, you're at work in my marriage. God, you're at work in my home. God, you're at work in my future. God, you've got a plan. God, you've got a purpose. God's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. God is molding you. He's shaping you. He says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. I'm not finished with you. I'm not finished with any of you. There's still breath in your lungs for a reason and for a purpose. And I'm gonna do something great in your life. But you hold on to me. Through the good times, through the tough times, you hold on to me. I saw this video this week from a guy, Nick Foles. Nick Foles uh, used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, won a Super Bowl with them, was traded to Jacksonville. I know they're a division rival, but he was traded to Jacksonville. He's been hurt most of the year. He's had a really kind of a hard year. He's supposed to play today. They play the Colts. Uh, The coach for the Indianapolis Colts is a guy named Frank Reich, who used to be a pastor. How cool is that? And then he downgraded though and became a football coach. But anyway, he, he's there. And so they're playing today and they interviewed Nick Foles and just said, wow, you were on the top of the world, right? You won a Super Bowl and then you get traded. You're supposed to be a man of faith. How did your faith hold up during all of that? And watch what he responds though week after week not playing, you're a football player, you're watching this young kid go out, this ninch humania is going crazy. I know you're a man of faith and I know you're trying but
2: you're also human. I mean, there ever any doubts
1: coming up in your mind as you go through that or?
2: No, that's where, you know, right when this right when I felt this thing break and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people. But at the end of the day, as I got, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action, um, good or bad. And you know, I still could have joy in an injury. Um, and that—that's people hear that and say that's crazy. But it's like when you believe in Jesus and you you go out there and you play, and that's that changes your heart. And you only understand it when you know that purpose in your life just like when i hoisted the lombardi trophy the reason i'm smiling is my faith was in christ in that moment i realized i didn't need that trophy to define who i was because it was already in christ and that's my message when i play same thing happens when i get injured we tend to make this so much about us as human beings we tend to make it about us as athletes it's not about us it really isn't and if you make it about yourself you're probably gonna go home at night lay your head on your pillow and be very alone and very sad And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life. Because my purpose isn't football, it's impacting people. And I my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing, that is difficult from a fleshly perspective. But from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm at a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but that's how I go through life and the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So um, when I step on the field, I'm going against a man in Frank Reich who's very similar. He's a guy that I admire more than anything. He's a guy that has impacted my life so much and he's going to be on the opposing sideline. So um, that's going to be fun.
1: Isn't that awesome? I mean, I love that. My purpose is in Christ, you know? My purpose is in Christ. If I'm holding the Lombardi trophy or if, man, I've been injured and I'm going through my, my purpose is in Christ. My joy doesn't change. It's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And, and I just hope you see that today. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in a great season of life and you're just like, man, this is awesome. Things are great. Maybe you're in a tough season. Maybe you're in a challenging time. God hasn't forgotten you. God loves you. God is growing you. You hold on to Him, you trust Him. You guys, and he says, my ministry's in the locker room. You know what? Our ministry is at home. Our ministry is in the workplace. Our ministry that God has placed us in and says, hey, you go and you love. You live it out. You live your faith. Build your life on Christ. Remain in him and allow him to work in you and through you for his name and for his glory. God's got a great plan for you. Trust him today. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just for a moment. I, I don't know where you are. But God does. (laughs) And God brought you here today for a reason and for a purpose. God loves you. God loves you. Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard that, but listen, He does. He loves you so much. He sent His one and only Son for you that you could have eternal life with Him. Maybe today is the day of salvation. You just go, man, I've been trying to earn it. (laughs) I've been trying to atone for my sins. I've been trying to make Am my life right? I can't. You're right. You can't. But God can't. And maybe today you just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Oh, come in. Forgive me. Redeem me. Restore me. I need you. Maybe today God's calling you to be baptized, you know. Symbol of that new covenant. God, I want to follow you. Maybe today God's just saying, remain in me. Grow deeper in your faith. Grow deeper in your walk. Be in that right environment. Maybe today God's saying, hey, bring love into your home. (laughs) Bring grace. Bring Christ. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. God, we're gathered here in your name. And Father, some, some of us are maybe in a great season, others maybe in a difficult season, but Jesus, meet us right here, right now. And let us build our lives on you Let us build our homes on you. Let us build our future on you. Let us remain in you. Speak to us right now, Father. You have something to say to every one of us. So God, our hearts are open. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Of this my prayer for all of us, how I put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I want you to know this, you're not alone. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who wants the best for you. And there's a church family that loves you as well. And there's a church family that will walk with you, be planted in the right environment and fruit's going to happen. Fruit's going to happen. God's doing great things. You hold on to him. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us your communication card. You can drop it in the basket. We will pray with you. We'll pray for you. Uh, if you have prayer requests, drop that in the basket as well. Uh, also, you know, this is a great opportunity for us just to think about. Here's God, what you're doing in my life and I want to be generous. You bless me. And so I just want to be a blessing to others, So as we have a chance to give uh, out of our heart, out of our love, out of our finances, and also to place our prayer request, let me say a short prayer. Father, thank you. God, thanks for your presence this morning. Thank you for your word, for your truth. And God, let us live our lives for you. Let us live in the spirit, Father, of love and of joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and mercy, and gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Guys, God's doing so many great things, and it is today the one-year anniversary of our For the Kingdom uh, campaign that we did a year ago, which was incredible. And while we were in Israel, we just shot a, a quick clip uh, right there overlooking Jerusalem. So watch this. Hey, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so excited to come to you today. I'm standing here with Jerusalem in the background. I mean, how amazing. You can see the Temple Mount that was built, you know, by Solomon and Solomon's day. David gave all the resources and then Solomon built the temple and it stood here on this place until 586 BC. It was destroyed, rebuilt again. But after they returned, the remnant came back and that started second temple period. And so you can see the temple mount is about 35 acres. Jesus would have been up there. Jesus came three feasts every year. And uh, so he would have been right there. And then we're standing on the top of the Mount of Olives, of so Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and then the ascension came from right around this area, of Bethany, Mount of Olives, in this place. But I just think about that. How many people have sacrificed? How many people have given? And we're here with people from all over the world that have come to worship Jesus. And I love what it says in Psalm 45, 145, verse 9. It says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you, I love that. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. You guys, we have the opportunity to carry on the kingdom of God. And you know, it was one year ago that we did our For the Kingdom campaign. I'm still wearing my ring Um, because we said, we're going to make a commitment over and above our tithe, and we're going to give. And we have seen God do miracles, I mean, literal miracles, and we are furthering God's kingdom in our generation. And I just want to encourage you, if maybe you weren't a part of Rolling Hills at that time, now's the time to jump in. Now's the time to be a part. We've got two years left in this. Maybe you want to jump in and make a two-year commitment with us as we journey to build the kingdom of God because His kingdom is everlasting. From beginning to end, it will not stop and it will not cease. And we get to be the ones for the glory of God in our day and our generation. So let's pray, let's give, let's serve, and let's make a difference. God bless. So you got this in your worship guide today. And I would just encourage you, you know, thank you for everybody. As Pastor Eric was saying earlier, hey, for three years, you know, we've made a commitment over and above our tithe. We got 497 giving units that are, part of that who've committed, who are committing together. And so Lisa and I, you know, above our Todd, and I'm so excited about that because you see what God's doing. You, I love when little kids are peering into the windows and looking and going, that's my future space. That's where I'm gonna be. That's the way I'm gonna grow and learn. And so as parents, as grandparents, we have the opportunity to invest there and invest. You can see these different areas in Nolensville and Nashville, and then also in Moldova with transitional living homes. And so maybe you wanna jump on board. Hey, take this card. Uh, There's more information in the gallery and bring it back next week. Pray about it and just say, hey, what can I do over and above my tithes for the next two years? How can I join with my church family? And let's give and let's make a difference in our day and our generation. Let's stand together. Let me pray a blessing over us and then let's go and live it out. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ. Send us out as people full of joy and love and life. And in your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen, amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. God bless.